Hello everyone. Uh, this is my first podcast here right from uh, Melbourne, Australia. And uh, I'd given some thoughts about recording a podcast for a long time, but then, you know, with COVID, it's given me the perfect opportunity. So I might be a bit rough. Um, I'm here with my wife, uh, Rin Chen. Uh, she's here as well. Um, and she'll be joining in the podcast as well. Um, so today, um, I just wanted to have a casual casual talk about uh, um, about a book that I uh, read a long time back called Who Will Cry When You Die by Robin Sharma. Um, I'd, I'd read the book a long time back, most probably, uh, most probably around 10 years back maybe. Um, um, and it had really hit me hard with the, the core message of the book, the title of the book itself, which says, Who Will Cry When You Die? Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about it today. So, Rinchen, have you heard about the book, Who Will Cry When You Die? Or Have you heard about it or no? no? You haven't heard about it. Uh, well, Rinchen's cooking dinner as well as we speak. So, um, so you haven't heard about the book, but have you heard about the phrase? Like, I think you might have heard about the phrase "Who will cry when you die," haven't you? Yeah. Sort yeah. Sort of. So, what what kind of thought does it ring? Well, that I saw that is um, very uncertain. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be, you know, the people who are older to us are going to die first, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even the younger ones can die, even we can die, you mm-hmm. never know, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so, you know, when, I suppose when we die, it's what, it's the good things that we've done in life, mm-hmm. just the good things that we've done in life will mm-hmm. be remembered, mm-hmm. I suppose. Mm-hmm. So... I believe those people who, for whom we have done something mm. worthwhile, mm. something to change their life, mm. you know, not big, but in a very minuscule way, but we mm. have done something to help them or change their life, mm. I think that's how we get remembered by. Mm. So, you know, so yeah. Yeah, even even I think the same. Um, and, and we as humans, you know, we like, we always have this, yeah, um, uh, 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 what I I think the I, the words not coming to me. I think uh, our actions um, are designed in such a way in in through our nature as human beings is that we are compassionate, we are empathetic. You know, we are sympathetic, we are loving beings. At the end of the day, um, so I think uh, like we always try to do good and be good as well, even like during the darkest of times um, and uh, I think we all we always have the good and the bad inside us I mm-hmm. think it's just about balancing out you know yeah the bad with the good at times uh, because we are not perfect yeah um, we, we all have our uh, uh, misgivings mm-hmm. uh, we do have uh, faults and cracks Yes, in our characters, in our personalities, uh, and with time, you know, I think, I think it's because we we somehow let the inner child die within us. As we age, we rely more on reason, 
uh, we rely more on being pragmatic mm-hmm. and being smarter as well um, and we don't uh, rely on uh, the fundamental characteristics that makes us human as being loving and forgiving as well and i think that the book touches it beautifully when it says like we have to be we have to practice more uh, we have to practice forgiveness and then it also talks about modeling yourself on a curious child you know and which is like really really hard what what do you think about that modeling yourself as a curious child on a, on on a curious child on yeah on a curious child yeah um you know i think um as um as we tend to grow older mm. right we get um everybody you know gets bogged down by their responsibilities mm-hmm. family life the children jobs work right mm-hmm. so um that's why we lose that um curiousness that mm-hmm. our young child has mm-hmm. for example if a toddler mm. he doesn't care about what a fire is he doesn't know unless until he touches it mm. right but mm. they just see something that's glowing so that mm. they go for it mm. but when we grow up as mm. we grow up and as we get tangled with life mm. what happens is we lose that spark mm. i think because mm. um and we don't want to take any chances or risks mm. venturing into something new mm. or going into a new world because we think what if mm. something goes wrong Mm-mm. we're going to lose out on what we have at the moment mm. right mm. all that we build up mm. what's hard Mm-mm. it's just going to go away mm. so i think um yeah that's why i think um we lose that that spark Mm. as we grow up mm. because we don't want to take any chances mm. and i think i think we 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 try to be in our own comfort space and then you know we we i think prefer security as as a book mentions rightly that we seek for security rather than for seeking for opportunity and then the book suggests that we should be swapping security with opportunity yeah. um you know and then it places a famous quote as um I th- I think we read that in Julius Caesar I think where it says uh, cowards die a thousand death bef- thousand deaths uh before that before they actually die whereas yeah. the whereas the brave die but only once so it says says the same thing like where it says like, the tragedy of life is not death but the death of our passions so in with with time I think with responsibilities and with the overload I think I think like when we get out of our teens as we just want to get into that adulthood zone mm-hmm. we, we want to be adults and we want to take our own decisions but with time i think we we are bogged down as well and i think it's due to uh maybe not reflecting back you know not reflecting back on our actions on our thoughts at times because we like keep on living but we don't stop we don't pause you know it's it's not about stopping but we don't pause and then we just don't think about like what what I have what have i done till now and you know whether i've done the right thing or whether i should be doing something else or you know we we and and there's also this social obligation that um you know that we have to um always. do things as per the social consensus mm-hmm. um always need to climb that ladder the need to climb the ladder yes but but 
but i can argue that you know like human wants are limited as adam smith said in economics but i i think with with the need arises that needs to climb that ladder as well to fulfill our desires mm-hmm. uh, but i think the desires that we're talking about are only superficial you know mm-hmm. not our deepest desires of being happy or being satisfied or being contented because everybody wants to be happy you know everybody wants to be satisfied and can be to be content with life and uh, i think f- to be content to be happy um, you don't need to you know buy buy a house or buy a big mansion or buy a big 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 uh, car um, i'm sorry to cut you off but i think the definition of happiness is different for every individual what me what what whatever makes me happy wouldn't make you happy i suppose mm. yeah yeah but then but then like i i could argue in the sense is that uh yeah you're true, true yeah, yeah you're right when you're saying that okay what makes you happy doesn't make me happy because you know two people two two people are the same in that sense but then uh, our core values i'll go back into our core values is that of being being happy and being content of being satisfied of being loving and all these kind of uh, uh, characteristics that are within us you know they they echo us to to that feeling of being being happy um and i think uh, happiness doesn't arise from say maybe it gives us um gives us a few moments of happiness if you buy a big big house or um or a brand new mercedes benz or a maserati or or a ferrari or we have uh, billions of dollars in the bank account and uh but then even then we've seen people who are unhappy haven't you yeah sure in that sense but for example say um, for example holding holding your child for the first time you know i think that is happiness for some people i think that's uh, yes i think that's true happiness so maybe um maybe see maybe parents seeing their children succeed in life um wherein they they become good human beings i'm not talking about like having good jobs or uh, or high paying jobs or having a big car or all that but i think just for parents to see that their child uh, that they have given birth to has become a good human being i think i think that's happiness as well yes. and i think that that uh that makes people content as well with their life and the, with what they've done mhm so Probably. so and and i think like there are two types of you know like happiness one is like one is uh, very superficial momentary happiness and, and and the other is just the state of being happy and staying happy you know mm-hmm. even even uh, uh, through difficult times as in as in covid say for example right now we're talking about covid so like we we've, we've been through this long i think this is sixth lockdown in melbourne yeah yeah this sixth lockdown in melbourne and we've been stuck at in our house you know and we can't go anywhere and and uh, we've we've both like grew up in a place where we could see mountains in the morning but then yeah we can't even go to the beach right now because like there's 5 km rule so we we try to stay occupied at times but it gets really difficult doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah so uh, and the other thing as as well as as i said like happiness is just a state you know this the state of purely being happy um, i think we we don't differentiate between being busy and being productively occupied as well mm. you know we we are at all times busy at doing things and doing uh, 
doing stuff and doing tasks and doing jobs but then we're not productively occupied that's why we always tend to say yes to everything mm-hmm. because we not prioritized uh, our time mm-hmm. and then we end up saying yes to everything it's like being a jack of all trades but master of none mm-hmm. mm. have have you had that experience that, that kind of thing before where you where you, you had to say uh, or did you have that experience where you had to say no and then you had you said no but you said it gracefully when the other where wherein it wasn't unpleasant um I haven't really had that sort of a situation. Mm. Um, um, you know, I I'm I'm actually not a very no saying person. Mm. I usually like to sort of comply. Mm. Mm. Not with outrageous requests, of course, but mm. you know, <laughs> the, the, the usual, the yeah, normal yeah, ones, yeah. the the thing that every the, it's an everyday thing. Yeah. Um. So um. haven't actually but if i were ever to um you know face that sort of a situation where uh, um i need to gracefully say no mm. to something mm-hmm. then yeah i i think i would because mm. not every request or every um you know yeah every request or every demand can be fulfilled as suppose mm. and I, and i think it stems from the fact as well i've been using this word stems from the fact a lot because yeah i think there's a lot of stems coming out from the tree that just landed so, so uh yeah that that's how it's still stuck in my mind stems um and it's spring season here in melbourne australia as well so i think maybe because of that but uh as we were mentioning about like not every request can be fulfilled i think uh, we try to uh, you know be uh Uh, as courteous as courteous as we can with everyone uh, and we try we try to be as respectful with everyone uh, we try we we fail <laughs> uh but we try but but then i think it's 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 as the question of should we at times uh say no say no yes. and i think i think think that's right like like saying no and being courteous as, as well at the same time being graceful while saying no and it just shows that you have your time prioritized for tasks for for things that you think are highly important to you for example say for example like waking up early in the morning um someone like for for you say for example you wake up early morning every day whether it's a holiday or whether you have whether you have work and then you make sure that like after you do your brushing and stuff and then you make sure you meditate and then you pray that's a priority for you isn't it yeah and yeah. then and then even like after work and then like after before you have your dinner uh, at around 6:30 or so you make sure that you wash up and then you say your prayers Uh, maybe spend like 10 15 minutes alone and then i think at that time it's not just praying i think you're meditating as well at the same time yeah. because no matter like say, even though i may uh even though your favorite movie might be playing on the tv you just make sure that you go and say your prayers and then you spend time and i think i think that is uh that should not be a uh, momentary thing or not should be a one day ritual in that sense but i think how you can do it i i think i i'll ask your opinion but i think it's consistency you know like yeah. you never break that habit so what 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 do you think about it 
Like, how do you maintain that kind of habit? Well, um, look, habits, like the word habit, it's something that you develop mm. over time. Mm-hmm. So praying for me in the morning and the evening um, was something I imbibed mm. when I was um, a child. Mm-mm. So, I have seen my parents do that same thing, mm-hmm. and then when I was growing up, mm. um, when I was in my teens or even before mm. my teens, I, I used to see that every day, right? And then, and my mom mm-hmm. actually played a huge part in it, um, giving me to. It was a sort of a duty mm. for me mm-hmm. at the time. Mm. So I was sort of. Instructed by mom, so okay. So your duty is to you know mm. do the usual prayers in the morning and yeah. evening. Yeah. You know, offering yeah. water, fresh water, mm. um, candles, mm. lights, incense mm. to God. Mm-hmm. So that was what it was. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, that used to feel like a chore, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. So you know, I used to pray, right? So mm-hmm. pray is like you know, ah, oh, this is something. This is something that needs to be done. Mm. Because that's what my duty is. But later, mm. as I grew up, mm. I um, felt um, a sort of a very spiritual connection mm-hmm. when, I, when I used to pray. Mm-hmm. It was not a chore anymore. Mm. For me, it was like a one-on-one conversation with God. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it was like, um, I used to talk to God like my friend. Mm-mm. It just I would just used to join my hands mm. in prayer, mm. but um, yeah, it was like a conversation, you know. Mm. If something I did wrong at school, mm. I used to talk to God about it. I would uh, not talk to my mom mm. or dad, but mm. I would talk to God. I say, "This is something I did wrong." Mm. So you know, um, I I know I made a mistake, mm. and I'm sorry, mm. and I hope you give me sort of a direction Mm-mm. next time mm-hmm. to follow the right path. Mm. So. That sort of became ingrained in me, mm-hmm. right? Mm. I loved doing that. Mm. And then um, once sort of initially it, be- it, it was to develop a habit, mm-hmm. that duty was like to develop a habit, mm-hmm. but now it, was, it had become a necessity for me, oh. right? Oh. It has, mm-hmm. no matter how sick I am, mm-hmm. no matter how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I, you know, how tired I am, mm-hmm. I just do that. I pray. Because it gives me a sense of, um, you know, uh, faith mm-hmm. um, and sort of a belief that everything's mm-hmm. going to be fine. No mm-hmm. matter how difficult the situation is. Mm-hmm. It gives so, me that sort of faith. Mm-hmm. So, do, do you remember when, what, what age you were when you like started with all that or when your parents started to tell you or show you, guide you at that time? Um, so, you know, um, children are very observant. No, no. Right? At, at what age did you start that? Maybe I'll be oh, I, oh, okay. Um, that was... Um, so, I was a very... Um, let me tell you um, that I was a very... Um, Homebody, actually, I, I, <laughs> okay. I like to like stay at home, uh, run around um, yeah. behind my mom, helping uh, her with the kitchen, <laughs> cooking. I loved to cook since uh, I was a child. Uh, so then, 
um, she gave me that duty. Like there was a chore for me. So that was, mm-hmm. that chore was a So before it became like a duty and then later it became a habit. It was a chore for you. It was a chore for when me. When it all started, yeah. isn't yes, it? So it's like you're breaking it down as well as to like how it can become a responsibility that you willingly take up. Yeah. And before, um, you know, and and when you when you rewind back how it started as a chore. Yeah. yeah. So I think I was given that responsibility when I was um, in um, grade five. So I was mm. about 10 years old, mm. right? So at that time, it was a chore because... Who likes to wake? So if you have to pray, you have to get up early, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that was also a reverse psychology from mm-hmm. my parents' part to make me wake up early, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was also yeah. a thing. Yeah. But then, so if you go to, like, normal people, like, you know, even um, your parents, if they yeah. go to church, they usually like to go in the morning, right? Yeah. Six o'clock, yeah. seven. Yeah. They yeah. don't go around at 10 o'clock. Uh. So... So, no, but but it may differ for people who are let's say living in different places and they may have different times. But then obviously it happens in it, the early part of the day. Yes, early part of the day. So uh, the first thing you do when you yeah, wake up yeah, is what yeah. you do: wash your face, and yeah. before eating anything, you just think about God, right? Yeah, yeah. The older, elderly people, your grandmas, grandfathers, they do mm-hmm. that. So um, so that was a chore for me at at the beginning because who likes to wake up early in the morning when everybody mm-hmm. is playing? Or mm. in the evening when everybody is playing, eating something, doing something, and you have to, you have that chore at the back of it. Okay, I have to do this at six o'clock. Yeah. But then, then you know, as I kept doing that, it became a habit, and then, um, then it sort of slowly, gradually, it sort of became a, a sort of uh, one-on-one Duty, conversation. and then it became a one-on-one one yeah, one one conversation. conversation. It's like there are. Certain things as a child, you don't mm. talk to your parents about, right? Mm-mm. So you did something at school. Mm. Maybe you said something back to a friend uh. in anger or mm. you know, in mm. something. So you don't tell that. You don't come home and say, Mom, I said mm. something bad to my friend. You don't say that. Mm-mm. Maybe some say, but I wouldn't, right? Mm-mm-mm. And then I would feel bad about it and then mm. I would talk to God. Mm. I would tell him, like, you know, I did mm. this. So, so when, when you say God, um, like for example for you it's god but for some someone it might be it might be jesus it might yeah. be lord almighty it might be for for a hindu person it might be a different god for them yeah. uh for a muslim it might be a different god for them yeah. as well in that sense but all in all i think it's 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 a kind of a reflection a meditation um of yourself as well yes, and, and your thoughts and your actions as well yes yes, yes. yes. 